not my good luck charm, but I'm gonna wish you good luck anyway, because Rainy Del Rey and Wrecking Ball, they're pretty tough. Thanks, Tiki. But we don't need no luck. We're the Tholon twins. Yeah, right. I know we are the Tongan twins, but just so you know, if anything goes south, I got your back. That's cute, Tiki. I think you should stay in the bag. We don't want you to get hurt. Let's go, sis. We got a tag match to get to. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And it is the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Mr. Green. You're listening to the Rights and Wrongs, a pro wrestling podcast. And what are we up to now? 63. 63 weeks of WoW's continuous run. And I applauded them last week, and I'm going to applaud them now. Bravo for them that they have gotten to this point, that they have... uh, finally succumb to where we'll, we'll take a little bit of wrestling and put that into our show rather than we're going to be a TV show that just has wrestling in it. Um, 63, episode 63, episode 211, if we are going off of uh, standard TV fare. Um, <clears throat> and the title, Last Call for the Tonga Twins. Yes, that, that they had a question mark at the end of that, so you know, I have to put that little curiosity or questionnaire statement on the end of it um there's not a lot that's happening here in this episode i am probably going to be in a minority when i say that this entire show was was boring and nothing against the matches necessarily it just didn't have anything of significance or substance that helped drive this forward. The, the, the things that were going on in the backstage were not interesting. Didn't really push anything to any significant point. It's just, it's just more the same. And it is dull as dishwater, as they used to say. This was not a fun episode. This wasn't a good episode. This is just. It's just boring. Now, if you took the matches out of this and did not have it, you know, try to comprise an hour program, you could probably find you some joy in this. If you just like, hey, well, the match was fine. Now, I'm, now I want to be clear. I'm not talking about the matches. When I say the episode's boring, I'm talking about the from the start of the top of the hour to the, the end of the, you know, the next one. It just did not didn't capture me just didn't capture me that's that's pretty much all i can say for it um i guess we should just go ahead into it and i'll I'll make whatever jumps and uh side notes as i feel as i as i go through this so 
the first thing that we got here is Last Call. You remember the team Last Call. Wrecking Ball and Reina Del Rey, they have been uh, on a winning streak, although not really because the people that they have beaten are the same people that everybody beats. And without even looking at my paper, I'm just going to... I'm going to say it is probably Jennifer Flores or uh, Spring Break 24-7 because outside of them, no other team is guaranteed loss. So anyway, they come out and they cut a program, a program, they cut a promo interrupting David McClain and Stephen Dickey. And <clears throat> McClain and Dickey try to make it seem on commentary like even security is scared of last call you know and at this point I'm like you guys are really really stretching credibility right now like I get the idea that this is supposed to be some tough unruly team but let's not put your security beneath that that's the whole point that their security and that is such a thing as having to have some level of credibility. Yes, I understand that is wrestling. And everybody uses that as the excuse to be able to do the most absurd things that they want to do. But just because you can don't mean you should. But that's a different issue. But that's always the answer. Oh, it's just wrestling. It's just wrestling. And that becomes the reason that they justify doing dumb things. This is not the most egregious thing that I've seen in wrestling or the most egregious thing that I've seen people do in the name of is just wrestling, but it does stretch stretch the credibility a bit. I would have suggested you go the other way. So rather than to discount your security, you put the security over and the fact that they are needed when last call comes around because they just are too unruly they don't uh they don't <clears throat> abide by anything that we ask them to do they're always messing up stuff in the back you know we have to have them monitored by security while they're here in order to keep them in line you can get to get to the same message without making security look like complete chumps and if anybody ever needs any sort of uh refresher as to how David McClain likes to use security for teams such as that. Go back and watch uh, Cage Heat. How they just would throw the referee out over the top road or push security around or the police. You know, like nobody wanted to be, you know, they were too tough for words. And I guess that's what Last Call is doing. But anyway, that's not the point. So they come out, they cut the promo. We're not going to go into it verbatim, but they're basically declaring themselves the new tag team champions, foreshadowing, because <laughs> we know that that wasn't going <laughs> to happen. Sorry, spoiler. But yeah, they're basically declaring themselves the tag team champions, and they come up with some catchphrase, which is so dumb. I, you're just going to have to look that one up. I, I, I can't even... I cannot do whatever catchphrase that they were trying to do justice the only thing that I can say is that they delivered it with conviction I will give them that it didn't come off like we're going to say this with a wink and a nod they actually like we're going to try to get this over but I don't know who came up with it but yeah it's probably a good thing that last call is about to be broken up so anyway uh once they get out of this, they do a recap on the Beast versus Vicky Lynn. This was their 
as much as what they did in the beginning of last week's program with the uh, no DQ match with Vicky Lynn and, and the Beast, as much as they did to try to set up that this is some sort of horrible, uh, no holes barred, unsanctioned match that, well, we we don't know what's going to happen. They, they could tear this building down and all, you know, stuff like that. As much as they did that, this video was also in line of that. It's an easier thing to sell on the back end of this, in this episode, rather than what they did beforehand in last week. Like I said before, I don't, other than them changing the name, I'm really not entirely sure what is the major difference between their unsanctioned match or the wild falls count anywhere match between the Tonga Twins and Miami Sweet or the no holes barred, no DQ match that the Tonga Twins and Miami Sweet had also. I have no idea why this unsanctioned match was, match was supposed to be that much more dangerous and so brutal that we can't even sanction this within the confines of the rules of WoW, which they never really explained. They never got to, you know, that's what our unsanctioning means. It was just unsanctioned. I said it then, I'll say it now. That came off to me like it was somebody who saw the stipulation, liked the stipulation, but really didn't pay attention to, to how to get to or present it. It just, it, it, it fell a little short for me. Now, getting back to this particular episode, like I said, on the back end of it, it works because you, if if you're just seeing this and you didn't watch the previous week, all you would be seeing is the beast kind of rising to her feet and standing victorious in the ring. Meanwhile, you got Vicky Lynn on the floor being tended to by multiple people, getting a neck brace on and being you know an injury angle essentially. So. Theoretically, Vicky Lynn should not be on TV for a while. Theoretically, but we don't know how Wild likes to use injury angles. We never really got the chance to uh, witness an injury angle that was non-legit. The Beast had an injury angle, does because she actually had an injury. But uh, how they're going to handle this one, time will tell. So we go to the first match. That being the resident monster chainsaw taking on the resident punching bag Steffi Slays McLean and Dickie talk about uh, Chainsaw being a big attraction at Comic Cons across the country I was like, I, uh, the first thing I wrote is I doubt that now would people walk up to her at a Comic Con yeah sure she, she's got a unique look especially if she's wearing that uh, that apron full of faces that, that, that she has but I doubt that uh, I wrote it down not that I doubt that people wouldn't walk up to her because she does have an interesting look I doubt that this is happening across the country because I doubt that she's going across the country as Chainsaw to all these little Comic Con events I, I just do not see that happening if I'm wrong then hey I would love somebody like no yeah she was just in Seattle today and you know that at our wizard convention or whatever that but yeah, I, I sincerely doubt that. So anyway, that was just a little sidebar thing that they put into the, the commentary. It didn't mean anything. I'm not even sure why they're trying to put her over as some sort of attraction at this stage. She's she's not a babyface. 
I mean, I, I I get that you you want your superheroes to be larger than life, so to speak. But I, I don't know if I've seen anyone here that has done that quite yet. As much as they like to portray it, I, I just I haven't found that. So anyway, uh, in the match, Stevie Slays tries to jumpstart this thing. She comes out from the back running, charges right into Chainsaw. <laughs> she actually had a, a look of determination on her face. You have to give her that. And she she came in with a drop kick, which really didn't connect all that well. Uh, but that was because Chainsaw got too close when she delivered the drop kick. So, you know, the the uh the measurement of distance there was was slightly off. But Slays tries, she starts up, and then of course Chainsaw takes over. And without going through any sort of play-by-play, this is a squash match. That's all this was here for. This this was another squash match, something to get Chainsaw an, another win and then move her over to, I guess, what the important thing here is, is that being her issues, whatever they may be, with Holiday, because we still haven't established what those issues are. So in any case, Chainsaw... Beats up on Stevie Slay, standing on the hair, slamming around, doing all the the typical chainsaw stuff. Stevie does get a spot of hope in there at some point, but nope, not enough to carry this on. The match ends when a chainsaw essentially was. It's like a. It's not a full on gut wrench suplex. I mean, she she didn't. She didn't deliver it with any sort of technique. She just essentially grabbed her around the waist and just threw Stephanie down. And then that sets her up for her big splash. One, two, three is over with. That's it. That was that was the match. It was, there was nothing there. No, no angle, no story, no nothing. Chainsaw wins. Then she just decides that I'm going to choke Steffi out some more. So from the back comes uh, Jennifer Flores. I don't know what it is that they're trying to do with Dante now because more and more it seems like they're trying to imply that she has no control over her sister. I know it's her sister because they make sure to reference that every time they come out. And her little sister, Angelica Dante or whatever. It's supposed to be a big sister. Anyhow, older sister, I should say. So Flores comes out to help. Chainsaw pushes her off. Then Flores jumps on her back, trying to apply some sort of a sleeper to Chainsaw. If you're looking at that on YouTube, that'll be pretty much where that cuts off. I don't know why they they would just cut in the middle of that, because that seems just stupid. Um, but here's what happens. Chainsaw gets her off, as she does, and she hoists Jennifer Flores up. Holiday then comes out for another stare down. Now, Chainsaw, picture this, she has Flores up essentially like holding a small child. And when Holiday gets into the ring, Holiday is staring at her. There's not a lot of room in between them. And then Chainsaw just throws Jennifer Flores at Chainsaw, who catches her. She's still staring at her. And then just casually chucks Jennifer Flores to the side. Just boom. So now they're staring at the plane catch with uh, Flores. And they stare at each other. Chainsaw leaves. 
I wrote here, I've never been less interested in a feud than this. And that is the absolute truth. I have never been less interested in a feud than this. What is this even about? They haven't explained it. They haven't even begun to explain the thing. Why does this take a month for somebody just to say a promo as to why they're doing what they're doing? Or at least hint at it. They haven't even hinted at it. It's just show up, stare at each other. Okay, one of us leaves. This is so boring. Next is Las Banditas with Sofia Lopez versus Team Spirit. Las Banditas is done. They're dead in the water. They may as well just go ahead and accept that. Whatever chance that they had, Wow has flushed that down the drain. And what I wanted to do here and I'm, I'm going to do this after we go through this review, is I wanted to go through the career of Los Banditas as a team in WoW. Because I don't believe they team up anywhere. I know that uh, Rivera, well, I know both of them actually wrestled uh, outside of WoW, but I don't believe that they team up outside of WoW. So we're going to go through Los Banditas' win-loss record in much the same way that we did with Steffi Slay's a couple of episodes ago, and we did her career retrospective when they called Steffi a veteran. I was like, oh, I don't know about that because I don't think she's had enough matches to classify herself as a veteran. She's been in wrestling for a long time, but she hasn't had a lot of matches. Uh, if you want to hear more on that, you can go to episode 56, The Deal is Off review, and they are broken up into chapters you can hear Steffi Slay's entire career. You can jump right to it. It's got the chapter mark on it. Which you'll be able to do with this one as well. So anyhow, back to uh, Banditas and Team Spirit. We'll start off with the words with David McClain, who had the nerve to begin this with, they may not be getting their due here in a while. They're a great tag team. This is what he's saying about Las Banditas. Bear in mind, the booking that Las Banditas have had in the last year. How are they ever supposed to get their due being booked like that? And how could you convince anyone that they're a great tag team when they lose constantly? Constantly they lose. The time that they had a chance to win and it, you know, and kind of build them up as this great tag team, they, they bypassed that. They gave it up. Every major team that the Banditas have come across, they have fallen to. Every major team that WoW has had that, that they've crossed paths with, they've fallen to. The only ones that they've got wins over are the ones that you expect and I don't even have to say it I'm pretty sure it's running in your mind right now so I mean just the idea like I, I can't believe it they, they just get more credit seriously you had a chance to do that I mean it, the chance to, to do that was already existed they should have won against the Mother Truckers, and they should have won against Miami Sweet Heat, but they decided not to do it, so here we are. 
I don't know why uh, Dave McClain contradicts his own angles also. And when I say that, I mean when Team Spirit comes out, he's basically saying, and, you know, I know a lot of people have sent in uh, audition videos and this, that, and the other. Um, They've been wanting to be a part of Team Spirit, but unfortunately those auditions only take place here in Los Angeles. But then Coach comes out and they talk about this is a worldwide search. Yeah. yeah. It's a worldwide search, but it only takes place in Los Angeles. But this is exactly what I said about a week ago with this worldwide search just happened to be in the basement of the Belasco. I don't know what he's talking about. Anyhow, this is... Uh, this is also not good in terms of narrative. I didn't like the, the match itself. You know, that his is the running theme here. The match itself is fine. But the narrative of this match is just good grief. It's just bad. The commentators talk about maybe Sofia Lopez doesn't have time for Los Banditas. Why are they keep going to this same tired angle? I don't have time for you. It's blowing off. You're not my friend. It's like it keeps coming back to this. It started off with Princess Ozzy. They're suggesting it now with Sofia Lopez and, and Los Banditas implying that. Well, she's been giving all her time to Tormenta. She, maybe she didn't have enough time for Los Banditas. Why are they doing this? Is that even going anywhere? <sighs> Lopez has been with them every match, so I'm not really sure what this is all about. She was handcuffed on their behalf so I, I, twice. So I'm not sure where this uh, suggestion that maybe she doesn't have time for them comes from. So anyway, this is a typical team spirit match. Coaches to clean up. Ariel Sky is fulfilling the role of Randy Rara as the resident idiot and the one that they get the heat on, and that's pretty much what happened here. Or the the flunky, the idiot, the the one that gets the heat on them. That you know that that's Ariel Sky's role. It is a shame that Los Banditas has not had the opportunity to at least rack up wins before they ultimately went down in defeat to whomever. We'll just say Miami Sweet Heat in this case. But they they perform well. They have bumped well for, you know, their opponents. They've done almost everything it takes to make their opposition look good. And at the same time, you know, somewhat keep themselves looking like a, a functional, well-oiled team. It just hasn't paid off for them. And I don't know if they're going to get that payoff anywhere. But like I said, this, this match is... Standard fare for Team Spirit. We beat up on Ariel Sky for a, a good amount of time. Coach gets the cold tag, which it was. It was a cold tag. It was just the two of them kind of Ariel Sky and uh, I think uh, Sanchez both crawling to their their corners to try to make the tag. Coach gets in and then she cleans house because it's Coach and she can clean house, even though her vignettes made her look like an inept sports wannabe it's been so long since we've seen those uh 
that uh, I guess they have rewritten the narrative of Coach and maybe that she is actually functional and competent. Except for when she's looking for people, then she's abusive or, you know, whatever. So anyhow, all four of them get into the ring at some point. Sanchez gets put out of the ring. Rivera gives a super kick to the sky. Uh, she hoists, she being Rivera hoists Coach up on her shoulders coach is able to get out of it then she hits her buzzer beater for those who don't know what that is is the kill switch or aka the unprettier that christian uses and that was it one two three they were done i mean i wish i could say there was more into uh that match than what it was but it's the same thing that i say with chainsaw this is a you know i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say glorified squash match but it was a showcase for team spirit Las Banditas is only there just to, you know, facilitate that win. And then at the end of that, Coach gets the microphone and she cuts a promo. I am really surprised at the amount of promos that they have just suddenly decided to start doing. It's like they listened to somebody somewhere or something. So she claims, she being Coach, that they have gotten so many applications to for somebody to be a part of the you know team spirit to to fulfill the the unit that is team spirit because I guess they have to be a three person team. And she called out the exact number. We have seven hundred twenty six thousand eight hundred twenty two applications for joining our group, and that you know that sounds fine. Although the first thing I thought when she started reading out them numbers, like, okay, they got more applications than they have viewers of WoW. All right. <laughs> Tell me another one. And yes, that is a higher number than any ratings that I've ever seen for WoW. And I've been getting, I've been reading out the ratings, so you know that I've seen these. But at the end of this, she basically is carrying on about, you know, the application process for, for Team Spirit. And then she has her little idiot go running back and forth to show that, hey, and she can still do cartwheels. She can still do backflips. And she can even run the ropes all night long. And, and, of course, she does all these things. And she's running back and forth, and she has to stop and pace herself and get her, get her, get, yeah, I can't even say it, catch her breath. <laughs> making me trip over about damn words here. All right, so she's running back and forth on the ropes. Trying, you know, she has to catch her breath. And, you know, I, I, this is play for comedy. What, what else can I say? It, it is a comedic moment for them. It's not bad. I mean, it, it fits the narrative of who Coach is. I, I will give this promo, Ariel Scott and Coach this much credit, is that it fits the narrative of who they are. I don't have to like it. I don't have to like it. I would prefer that whatever this thing that coach is like this kind of pseudo baby face borderline heel personality that she's got that they just go ahead and do something with that rather than the constant let me find some moron to work for me and then i'll just you know abuse them because i'm the coach and coach rules or whatever her catchphrase is so yeah that that's where that ended as las banditas slunk off to the back with the tail between the legs. Now, 
Back to Las Banditas. I thought it would be a fun exercise to look at their wild careers up until this point and see just how many wins and losses that they've had since they're such a you know great team. Now, of course, they function for what they are functioning for. That is to put people over. I thought it would have been different for them, but it's not. Their job is to put other people over. It just would have made more sense to have them get some level of wins leading into Miami Sweet Heat. Now, I stand by that because they, they had no record that would even equate or come close to putting them in the same stratosphere as Miami Sweet Heat. So I don't know how anybody could have watched that match and be like, oh, yeah, they got a chance. They had no chance. So let's get to it. And bear in mind, this is not addressing Rivera or Sanchez singularly until they have become part of Las Banditas. Okay? So here's the win-loss record. Their first time as a team. I don't think they even went by Las Banditas at this time, but we're going to include it. As a team, they defeat Jennifer Flores and Steffi Slays. That was on uh, April 8th. 2023. This is a almost a full year back now. Okay? That was a win. The second match on the 22nd of April, these are the air dates, by the way, not when they recorded. The second match on the 22nd of April, they went to a no contest with Americana and Jesse Jones. That match then transitioned into a singles match where Sylvia Sanchez was chosen to represent the team on behalf of Las Benditas. Americana was chosen to represent uh, her team. And Sanchez won. It was a win for Sanchez. Not necessarily a team, but a win for Sanchez. Third match has the Island Dynasty. This version of the Island Dynasty was Tia Makoa and Tiki Chamaro. They defeated Los Banditas on the air date May 6, 2023. This is episode 34. Now, the reason that I made sure to put that down, because if you want to look this up, this is what I want you to see. I anybody that's listened to me do this podcast for a while knows that I I hate when they do these video uh, introductories and set that up directly before the person loses. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's counterproductive. I'm not saying everybody that gets one should win or that everybody that has a debut should win, but it is such a counterproductive thing. To have these videos that set them up for what is supposed to be a strong run. And then next thing you know, they're on their back or they're tapping out. In this episode, that was the episode that included the promo for uh, Sofia Lopez saying that, surprise, surprise, there is the same uh, promo that everybody gives. It's a matter of time before we're the champions. And then immediately they went out there and lost. Not only did they lose, but they lost to a team that, that I think this is the first time that they ever teamed up at all. 
Leah McCoa and Tiki Chamorro have a win over Las Banditas. The following week, the well, not the following week, but the following match, the other half of the Island Dynasty did the same thing. The Tonga Twins then defeated Las Banditas on May 20th. We can include one singles match in here just because it probably needs, this was a scheduled singles match of Sanchez and she defeated Keita Rush. No surprises there. We get back to teaming up and hey, we got some wins coming up, but guess who they're against? Las Banditas feast Chantilla Chili and Foxy Fierce on July 15th. They follow that up on August 5th with Las Banditas defeating Jennifer Flores and Steffi Slays. Chantilla Chella, Foxy Fierce, Jennifer Flores, Steffi Slays. The, any combination of the four spells doom for them. They, they do not work well as a team, apparently, because they just stack up loss after loss after loss after loss. But like I said before, is that any surprise to you? Because I know when I said that they beat somebody, somebody out there was like, yeah, there's probably Chella and Fierce or Flores and Slays. Well, you were right if you had either one of them. And this is their second win over Flores and Slays. And after that, it's just it's a nosedive from that point out. The Mother Truckers defeat. Las Banditas, albeit by, no, I, you know what? I know I stand corrected. I was about to say by the disqualification, but not in this one. They pinned them. This is September 2nd, where the Mother Truckers defeat Las Banditas. September 23rd, the Tonga Twins defeat Las Banditas again in a wild title match. Why they got a title match, I don't know. Other than, I guess, it's just open call because the Tonga Twins are taking on everybody. But it didn't matter because the Banditas went down in defeat. Then we have match 10 in the history of the Banditas. The second time they go up against the Mother Truckers and the second time they lose. Although, be it by disqualification, they still lost. That was October 14th where they keyed off the angle for handcuffs and all that good stuff on this episode. And then the Mother Truckers, in short order, got their revenge by defeating Las Banditas for a third time on October 28th. Are we noticing the pattern here? So going into what was supposed to be this major heel versus heel match, well, we got these two warring factions. Sofia Lopez and her crew taking on uh, the Fabulous Four, Lana Star and her crew. Las Banditas walked into that match with four back-to-back losses. Three of them came from the same team. The Mother Truckers pinned them twice, won by disqualification, and then they lost to the Tonga Twins. They walked into their big match with four losses on them. 
who booked this? I mean, they didn't have to beat Miami Sweet Heat, although they should have. They didn't have to beat Miami Sweet Heat, but they at least needed to have some wins and some credibility walking into the match. And this is what makes me question, like, how far out in advance are they booking? Because I can't imagine anybody that's been in a wrestling booking meeting thinking that this was a good idea. I just, I can't. I can't not imagine that. Somebody should say, if, if this is where we're going, if, if the ultimate goal is to get Las Banditas versus Miami Sweet Heat and have people interested in it by any degree, they need some wins. At some point, you have to establish some level of credibility, even in fiction. There's a comic book writer that said, there's a comic book slash cartoon writer that said the same thing. And it applies. Like he wrote for the episode Task Force X on Justice League Unlimited, I believe. I think that's the name of it. Yes, and I, I, I'm a cartoon, comic book, animation guy too, so but <laughs> don't judge me. Anyway, but in this episode, when he was talking about it, he was saying, you already know that Justice League is the heroes of the show. You know they're going to win ultimately. But in order for you to, to get some kind of mileage out of the opposition, out of the villains, the villain has to win something. They don't have to win the ultimate thing at the end, but they got to win something. They need to establish the threat of I could win. Now, that's not verbatim, but that's basically what he was saying, and that's the truth. You have to establish the threat of this person could pull this off. It is basic logic that is applied in TV and movies and comic books and cartoons and video games and everything else under the sun. I don't know why this particular instance, it just escaped them or went over their heads. Speaking of that, the match that I was saying that they should have walked into with a certain amount of wins underneath them. I mean, because they, they could have had at least a month of wins. At the, three. Three would have been good. They could have had that much. Walking into this match. Didn't have it. And by the way, they lost to Miami Sweet Heat too. Miami Sweet Heat pins Las Banditas November 11th air date. Well, we the last month as I'm recording this right now. And of course... Team Spirit defeats Lost Bandidas in this episode. They have gone three months on a losing streak from September, October to November. What else can you say about it? What, uh, what, what can be done to rehabilitate this team other than leaving? Because if, if Wow had any inclination or decisions or wanted to have them win, they'd have done it by now. If they try to turn this around, I would be very, very surprised. Very surprised. So ultimately, while, well, within WoW, Los Banditas has 12 matches as a team. Three of those are wins. Two of those wins against the same team, Flores and Steffi Slays. 
The only other team that they've been capable of beating is the only other team that loses constantly. Chantilla, Chella, and Foxy Fierce. They have eight losses to every other team that's on the roster, including Jesse Jones, including Island Dynasty version one and two, including the Mother Truckers, including Miami Sweet Heat, including Team Spirit. Who else did we leave off? I mean, maybe they'll get a win over spring break 24-7, but at this point, I honestly don't know. They have one match that went to a no contest. They got a bonus win and a singles match for Sanchez, and they got one scheduled win in a singles match for Sanchez. But that's about it. They have nothing. Miami's, I mean, not Miami's, but Las Banditas has nothing. They've, they've been beaten into powder. And if you're the backstage group or the management, Dave McLean or Nigel or Selena Majors or whoever else, you should hope that neither one of them has aspirations of doing anything beyond a while. Because at a certain point, the wrestler instinct in them, I would imagine, would kick in. I mean, I know a lot of people are there, and I, I'm not trying to say that WOW is uh, some last resort, but a lot of people are there because it offers them being on TV. When the offers to be on TV didn't exist anywhere else, so of course they're going to go and they're going to take it. But under the idea that they might get better opportunities someplace else, under the idea that they might actually be presented as a stronger team someplace else, I can I can see a, a, a an outcome where they might be like, you know what, this isn't going to work for us as a team. If, if they are choosing to remain as a team, they may just leave and split. I don't know. But the point being is I don't know if I would just keep doing that to the people who have a wrestling background. The actors and actresses, they're interchangeable, and they're not going to leave. Unless a, a, a the job that they want comes along, the acting job, but uh, outside of that, I was like, they're they're gonna be there and they're gonna do what they're told because if you don't do it, I'll just get get another one. Which I honestly believe that at points that's why they still stick with hiring models and actresses and stunt women because it's an easier thing to control. But I go into that theory another time, or maybe a little later. Anyway, so we go to the next match and the next segment. The next segment slash match is the class master with Samantha Smart taking on Candy Crush. And I don't know what a class master is. I mean, I, other than it's a nice, fancier way of saying teacher, I guess. It's, it's such a ridiculous thing. Now... I just did a, a a review of their documentary, which I the history of Wow, which I said was very good as a documentary, kind of kind of the polar opposite of what we have on the show sometimes. But one of the things and the segments that was within that documentary was basically like, well, how do we pick our character? And David McClane's like, well, the character is you. I just you know we take something and we make it you know make it you. It's basically the same thing people have said about Vince McMahon in his early 90s phase when he would hear something in their life or background during the interview. Like, ah, you were a plumber? Well, you know, we'll just make you a plumber. 
You used to race cars down in Alabama? Well, you'd be Sparky Plug, the racing wrestler, or, you know, stuff like that. That is a lot of what we are getting here. But <laughs> just because the person has that in their background does not necessarily mean that it's a good idea to put it on TV. Let's just start with that. It is not necessarily a good idea to have that put on television just because it's in your background somewhere. I mean, it would be like somebody offered me, hey, you did work for cable. We'll make you a wrestling cable guy. And then, <laughs> what? Why? What kind of sense does that even make? And that's what I get with a classmaster. Like, I don't know if she's actually legitimately a teacher or a teacher's aide or whatever the heck, you know, that she might have been. But she is clearly just filling the role of the currently absent disciplinarian, which is just, I don't know. Another interchangeable part, I suppose. Disciplinarian out, classmaster in. So while this is going on, Stephen Dickey is trying to explain why Samantha Smart has a class master on her team, which makes no sense considering that she dropped the fall in the tag match to begin with. It, 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 it kind of makes Samantha Smart not look so smart. Because they're trying to pass it off like, well, even though she lost, she impressed Samantha Smart. Now, let's go into Samantha Smart as a manager for a, a little bit. Her track record is terrible. She doesn't even exist in the same stratosphere as Sofia Lopez. And her track record is awful at this point. Certainly not in the same uh, stratosphere as as, uh, Lana Starr. She's the third leg of the managerial tier. She hasn't even come close to having somebody earn any sort of title match like the class best in G.I. Jane. I can't even remotely count that because they were just thrown together that day and we knew that we weren't going to win. They've seemingly lost every feud that they've been a part of and they just kind of spin their wheels. They don't do anything. There's no feud of any significance. They don't chase any championships. There's nothing driving the you know team smart forward. So and and the idea that she would pick somebody who lost for them to like, well, you know, she's good enough for me. We'll we'll just keep going with this. Seems ridiculous. And certainly not like somebody who has any sort of intelligence towards sports in mind. But maybe that's the key. Now, like she maybe she just thinks she's smarter than what she is, because it, it doesn't translate here. It only comes off. Like she does not know what she's doing, which she probably doesn't. Uh, so the class master is facing off against who Wow has now, or more specifically Stephen Dickey and David McLean, have now deterred or defined as the, uh, the gatekeeper of Wow, that being Candy Crush. Candy Crush. You have to go through her to go forward. That was what was said in the uh, in the commentary. My response to that was, no, you don't. Gloria Glitter got a title shot, and she lost to Candy Crush. So I don't know. I mean, 
I don't know what going through her is supposed to be. I mean, you just had the match and you advance anyway. But the way WoW is structured, I was like, what are you a gatekeeper for? You're not stopping people from getting to the, the main event. It's not like they have to beat you in order to earn it because, like I said, Gloria Glitter didn't earn anything. She lost, but she still got a title match. So I don't know what the the whole deal with that is. Samantha Smart comes out and she cuts this promo on the crowd, this typical heel manager fare, and classmasters gets to stand there and, and smile and look pretty and have her cap and gown on. Uh, I really have no idea what the classmaster is supposed to be about, what she's doing, what her motivations are, but that is, seems to be the running theme with most people that are in the wild. They don't say much of anything. Except for recently, we got the people that's not cutting promos out there every show. And it's those people you can't get to shut up. <laughs> but it would have been nice if uh, something was said to illustrate the class, master who she is, why she's there, and so on and so forth. But, you know, what, what can we say? Uh, the... the this this match is is nothing special either. If you separate the match from everything else that's going on in the show, yeah, it's, it's fine. One thing I did learn about the Classmaster as I watched this match is that I hate this name. And I learned that because Stephen Dickey has to repeat it constantly. The classmaster's down. The classmaster's up this. The classmaster's doing that. The classmaster, classmaster, classmaster. I was like, oh. <sighs> I was like, it, it's already a dumb name that doesn't mean anything. And, and if she's supposed to be this, this quote, classmaster, why is she dressed like a schoolgirl? Like, what? Is she supposed to be the teacher? Or is she supposed to be the student? I, I don't know. But she just looks like she's there to, to uh, fulfill some guy's schoolgirl fetish. She is a uh, discernibly taller, larger lady, young lady than uh, uh, Candy Crush is. Crush has advanced uh, pretty well as a wrestler. I still I, I maintain that she probably, in order to really do good. She should probably go someplace else every once in a while. I don't think that she's going to. But um, she has advanced. I, I want to give credit where it's due. I just some points question how much of that has already just worked out before she steps out there, whether she's a, able to do on the fly, uh, things of that nature. Uh, I forget how long this young lady who's playing the classmaster has been in the business for. I, I, I want to say it's not an exceptionally long time, but if I was a betting man, probably within two years or something along those lines. Uh, and I would also assume that she's local to Los Angeles. I probably need to go and look that up. But nothing nothing is um, of real significance here. This was... It was a Candy Crush match. She gives a little, she takes a little, then she finds a new way to polish off her opponent. Now, I don't know if they are trying to establish new 
finishers for everybody. So like everybody's starting to break out a different one rather than the one that they had maybe like a, a few months ago. But even here, I, I'll say this for Candy Crush. I think the effort to do her finish, her superwoman punch, I forget what she, she calls it. The effort for that was there. So I can't say that she just completely declined it or you know that she was abandoned it altogether but it was countered so i thought that was a a nice a nice little move uh by the the class master god damn i can't uh, can't uh, can't not say her name why do do they have to give it why can't they just give her a, a better name than this it would be so much easier anyhow so let's get to the finish the finish here being Candy Crush. Uh, she utilized a, a different maneuver when she was going for the win here. The class master charges in. Candy Crush catches her in the corner. She catches, runs her out with a bulldog. <clears throat> it it looked like she was having a hard time getting her over because she was like complete dead weight, which I thought was. A, a nice subtle thing on the size of her because, like I said, it, it is a very clear size difference. And the class was able to get out with grabbing ropes. She needs another name. She tries to go for a big boot. She gets caught in the, in the guts. And she looked like she got hit good in the guts too. But uh, it was some something of a springboard stunner. Didn't look great. I actually would just say, look, go back to the punch. It, it's, it's just an easier thing to do. That or the Olympic slam that she was doing. But, yeah, she she catches her in the side headlock, springs off the second turnbuckle, comes back down. Well, I shouldn't say side headlock, like a cravat. And then brings her down in the stunner. One, two, three, they're done. And, I mean, it's fine. Doesn't, doesn't really do much, but it's fine. I wrote down this question. What happened to her and Princess Ozzy? I I mean, really, what happened to that? How long has it been? We went from she's getting blown off and looking upset and stuff like that to now is like no mention of it. And that's not to say that the angle is over with. It could very well be going on. But how do you keep people interested in that? When it's been, it feels like it's been months. And it hasn't done anything since then. It's just, it's, it just kind of faded away. I mean, the last time that I can really think of that she that she had that was, well, maybe, maybe when she took on Goldie? I mean, I, I think I really need to look now because I, I, I cannot honestly remember the last time that they had this confrontation that was supposed, that I, I assume was supposed to go somewhere, but it just, it just didn't. It, it, and it seems... 
at this point, either it's out of sequence in the show and the videos, or it's just been forgotten about. And they're just like, all right, well, let's move on. Where was that supposed to really go? And I am flipping through some papers. And hold, hang on a second. Let, let, let's, let's, let's look at some, uh, some notes here. Because I, I really want to know. At least the last time that I can recall. So it's got to be a Candy Crush thing. Candy Crush versus Gloria Glitter. And yeah, all right. So the last time that I, I can see that anything like that happened was episode 57 flash flash drive surprise good lord I, I hope i'm wrong that's a long time back that's like october that's over a month ago what and nothing has been mentioned and then it's it's been two other appearances by candy crush and nothing's been mentioned by this it just kind of died off so I, I i don't i really don't know where that's going but then you have almost an identical promo situation backstage segment that takes place in this same episode so let me get let me get to this uh let me go in order we'll get to that um the name of the maneuver the stunner thing that she did that that's going to be the golden glove that's what they call it so i hope that they drop that because it doesn't look good uh, we go to the next segment. Sophia Lopez talking to her tormentor, and rather than talking to her in the um, in their own dressing room, she's just talking to her like in the bowels of the building for some reason. I guess that some reason is so somebody can walk up and interrupt them because you know it's clearly not a private conversation. So Jesse Jones walks up to confront them and tells Tormenta and Sofia Lopez how many times Tormenta's lost and she doesn't deserve a title match. And based on her record alone, that Jesse Jones does. And Jones says, look, I know that y'all both crooked. And the first thing I wrote when I heard her say that is like, how does Jesse Jones know that? But the mother truckers are were completely clueless. <laughs> how does she know that? But the other team, the people that she in essence, brought into the company, don't. Anyhow, this is a it's, it's a throwaway segment. doesn't doesn't do it's doesn't do anything. It just stands alone and it doesn't go anywhere. It's just another I deserve a title shot moment. We cut to the next thing, which is the mother truckers, Big Rig Betty cutting a promo and getting even with Miami Sweet Heat. And of course, in their locker room, they still got their clothes hanging up over the, the over the clothesline. I guess they're still drying from the last uh, what month and a half ago that they were hanging up there. And then they got the American flag hanging over the over the lockers because I guess no one else needs their lockers. I, uh, the mother truckers are so trying. They are so trying. I love Amazing Maria and and Haley J, but the mother truckers are so trying. A pointless segment. Pointless segment. Then didn't, didn't lead in anything. I mean, 
yeah, it says that we're going to get even, but I guess we pretty much knew that was going to happen. But I say pointless because, you know, there's really nothing else for them to do with this other than we just shot this and then we're moving on. And they're not explaining what they're going to do. It's just, you know, a tease for a match that we probably won't see for, I don't know, another. At, at the earliest, it'll be next week. What I imagine it'll probably be is what? It'll carry on for two or three weeks knowing them senselessly. I, I would be... I will be pleasantly surprised if they go in and they win this thing and it's over with. The next segment, remember that recycled uh, plot line I was talking about? Well, here it is. The Tonga Twins are going up the infamous wild steps where all conversations and conversations take place. Tiki Chamorro charges out like, hey, wait up. And she's like, hey, I know y'all didn't have my whatever it is that she gave him as a trinket, but I just wanted to wish y'all good luck. And if y'all need me, I have your back. And in essence, the Tonga Twins, like, blow her off. I mean, they absolutely blow her off. Like, we don't need that. You stay back here. We don't want you to get hurt. And they just walk off, and then the camera sees the, the disappointment on Tiki Chamorro's face. They more or less turned down her offer to watch her back. And, you know, after, as they show her being disappointed, her being Tiki, they walk off, they being the Tonga Twins, towards their match to defend the championships. The first thing I had is like, is this going somewhere? I also wrote behind this, what happened to Crush and Ozzy? This is the same angle. Is I want my friend to do something for me. They don't want me to, and now I'm upset about it. This is so childish. This, like, two angles, both of which are just so childish. So, anyhow, where could they go with this angle? Could they get something out of this if if need be? Sure, they could. And, in fact, I would like to see them do it. I don't think that they would, but I would like to see them do it. Here's what I would suggest. I don't know that they're going to do this, but this is what I would suggest for them. If, if they wanted to take this on. I don't like having the same angle play, but let's assume that they've already, you know, that they're committed to this and they're not going to take it away, so we, they have to play it out. Well, the first thing that you, you need to start doing is establishing that Tiki is putting in the effort. Now, she's already paired off with Chantilla Chella, and they won the first match that they were in together. Surprisingly, they, they won their match. I forget who was it against off the top of my head, but they did manage to score a victory, which is would help play into Tiki being not overlooked, but working herself up. You still have the Tonga twins like, oh, that's cute. You know, be unnecessarily and not, not unrealistically condescending, but unnecessarily and unintentionally condescending. They, they should, you know, have some, like, oh, I, you won. That's, that's, that's great. You know, that type of thing. 
Oh yeah, the Brat Pack. That's what they be. Chantilla Chella and Tiki Chamorro have a have a victory over the Brat Pack. Although it's the Brat Pack and they lose all the time. Um that was earlier in the month. If Tiki and Chantilla Chella continue to pair off and slowly rack up wins, unbeknownst to the Tonga Twins, who that, who I don't think should turn heel. I, I think is is too early for that. They finally got the titles. They should you know they should ride this wave out a little bit. But you have them eventually get to a point where they're going to have to cross paths. You have the Tonga Twins. Still, they love Tiki, but they're still not treating her seriously. You know, and when they had that confrontation, they could say things like, "Any look, after we beat you, it's not going to be in the hard feelings. You're still part of the Isle of Dynasty. And, you know, and that's where she can have her, her moments. Like, what do you, what do you mean <laughs> if, when you beat me? It's not in stone that you're going to win. You know, Chella and I could walk out the tag team champions and they, and they can laugh it off. And then that's when she can, you know, now you give her a different gear. She didn't have to be mean with them. But she can tell him that, look, we're going to give you, in, in her words, give you everything that we've got. And I'm not going to just roll over. I'm not just your little buddy. I'm not somebody that you got to defend all the time. Yeah, I know I'm small. I know that I'm not as big as, you know, or strong as the, as the almighty Tonga twins. But I can, you know, I can wrestle too. And, and I'm not going to sit here and back down. I didn't join WOW. So I can be shuffled off into the background. I want to win championships too. I want to be on the marquee. I want to be in the main event. And we got the main event tonight. And tonight, we are going to take those tag team championships. So now, you you know, we established the tension. You have to go to the match. And this is one of those cases that you'd have to have a match to allow the angle to breathe. Doing this inside of five minutes, doing this inside of six minutes, or even eight like wow it typically do might not work here because it would have to be them beating up Tiki for a uncomfortable amount of time and her not giving up that would have to be the story so much to the point that even the Tonga twins go through a bevy of emotions it goes from frustration to anger to just stay down you know, that type of thing. And you can have the twins win, but they need they would have to win by the skin of their teeth. That Chella and, and Chamaro have outquicked and out, you know, outmaneuvered throughout the whole thing to where it looks like they actually could win this thing. And if you really want to get funky with it, you have them get a pin where the referee's distracted or his eyes been poked or, you know, whatever the case may be. Something that would stop him from from actually counting the pinfall to where they have a claim over it. But the Tonga Twins should win it ultimately, and then, you know, you have your your after-match moment where they they should acknowledge Tiki Chamorro. She should be the one standing tall at the end of that match, regardless of the Tonga Twins, if they won or not. That's one of those little wrestling things that people used to like to do. It's like, okay... They may not win, but you got to give them that moment so the fans can leave happy. You give her that moment. You give Chamorro the moment of 
you've you've earned it. They can give the hug, the handshake, the you know whatever the case may be, hoist up on the shoulders, you know whatever. Chella can get the applause too, with it, with however they choose to present it. But it would have to be give this woman the moment that she deserves, as having pushed us more than either one of us thought that she was even capable of doing. And you no, know, get on the microphone and apologize. I didn't know that you had it in you. I'll, you know, I will never underestimate you again. You, you are. And I, you know, not just part of the dynasty. You, you, the dynasty queen, whatever. You know, some, put her over some kind of way, verbally. That's just one off the top of my head. So, we move on. That is just a suggestion for their angle, which I'm sure they won't do. The main event, we come back to a tag team championship match. There's been a lot of championship matches that have been taking place on the wild, and I guess, you know, it's uh <laughs> I guess they feel like it's a ratings draw. I don't know. The the ratings I've read have kind of suggested otherwise, but I'll find out when the uh ratings for November are released. So the match is last call versus the Tonga Twins. Now the first last call versus Tonga Twins match was boring. The one that took place a couple of months ago, that uh, last call was like the opposition in route of becoming the tag team champions. So this is the first time that last call is taking them on in a title match. Now, why did they get a title match? I don't know. I guess just because they won a title match. And that's pretty much where that started and stopped. They hadn't do. They didn't have to do anything to earn it. They just had to come out and berate the champions, and that happened. So we're not going to get on uh, how they got the the championship match. I do not have a problem with the open call for the championships. You know, as long as that's established that hey, you know, it's championship prerogative. That is the term that I used to use when in APCW, the champion is able to take on who the champion wants to take on. So that is not a big issue here. The issue here is that last call versus the Tonga Twins is a brick versus a brick, and it is not an exciting match or entertaining by any stretch of the imagination to me. They do slow plotting. I hit you, you hit me, I'll chop you, you chop me. And it's, it's the same thing they did in their, you know, more or less in their original match. Now, if you want to know what their original match was, it's on episode 47 leaving it all in the ring. You can go back and you can watch that match. It's Rainer Del Rey and Wrecking Ball versus the Tonga Twins. Several months ago, but the outcome is still the same. The match is basically the same. The outcome is the same. Just, you know, this is a slow plotting match. I One thing I will say, and this has really nothing to do with the match, is I'm surprised that David McClain even remotely mentioned other shows that, that WoW has produced or WoW is a part of on Pluto TV. He did. He made a mention of it in this match. I was, I was completely shocked, especially considering the amount of time that thing has been on there. I was like, I haven't heard them mention that at all. I had a poll up on the YouTube channel 
<laughs> basically asking, have you heard of these shows? Have you heard of these documentaries that WoW has that, that exist right now for you to watch on demand on Pluto? But have you heard of them? Most people said no. But this is this, this is the old strength versus strength match. We're stronger than you, which is why this match is not really uh, good. I don't even think this match went like four minutes. So in any case, at one point in the match, uh, last call gets the advantage because we're going to skip past all the ridiculous chops and everything. <clears throat> they get advantage on uh, who I believe is uh, Chaos. I think Kono's on the outside. I might have it in reverse. Who knows? Last call takes advantage. Uh, Wrecking Ball does some nice tumbling across the belly of uh, Chaos. And then they go for their, their finish. She gets up on the ropes. Randy O'Reilly comes over there and picks her up in uh, electric chair position, splashes her down on top of one of the Tongans, and goes for the cover. Now, bear in mind that both of them are on top of the Tonga twin. Wrecking Ball is on there. Raina Del Rey is pushing down on top of Wrecking Ball for the pin, and the referee's counting that. Like, what happened to the rules that they had that somebody's got to be out of the ring? He ain't even to try to get him out. It's just like, all right, yeah, that's fine. So now we got the Tonga Twins back in the ring, and we're back to doing the same thing. I chop you. You chop me. Gosh. Why? They do this with Wrecking Ball. She goes outside the ring, and now she has to be out there for an inordinate amount of time while Raina Del Rey is getting double hedged. Well, let me rephrase that because that might come out wrong. She's getting double head butted by the twins. She gets back up just in time to get hit with a Tongan spike and a clothesline or, or and or a spear. I don't know which one it was. It was kind of funky looking. So they didn't do their normal finish. They did a different one. Uh, again, I guess they, they, the mandate might be that we got to try new finishers, guys. So I think it was supposed to be a spear slash Samoan spike or Tongan spike in their, in their world. Wrecking Ball sees as she tries to get up. Uh, one of the Tongans sits down in front of her face. And Wrecking Ball seemingly does not know that she can go around chaos her body's in the way so therefore i must just go through her body she makes no effort to get around the the tonga twin makes no effort to turn around and stop her so this was just uh not the best i am really thinking and and I, i say this with all due respect to the tonga twins they probably need to just drop the belts to a team that can actually carry it a little stronger. It might be a better thing for the show. I'm not saying that the Tongans can't get it back. I mean, yeah, they needed to win it because they they had to they couldn't go through that year-long chase and not win. They needed to win the belt. And I'm glad that they did. But I I think the Tonga twin experiment is over. They don't really have anything that is special off of them. I don't really see them 
having these great matches. I mean, that's really the thing that a lot of times they have to lean on when they're doing things like this. When you're trying to establish a show, and yeah, WoW has been on air for a year now, but they're still trying to establish their niche in the wrestling sphere. Most cases, they aren't acknowledged by wrestling publications or podcasts or at events or in magazines or anything like that at all. WoW is just kind of in the island to itself. Every once in a while, it's brought up, but outside of that, well, I mean, where, where are they going? So, with them, it probably would work a little easier to get some people interested in the match or in the show if the matches like this could be better. And having the four of them kind of take these forearm shots and chops and I'll run into the ropes and hit you with shoulder blocks. You run into the ropes and hit me with shoulder You know, matches like that are not necessarily exciting. I'm sure the Wild Faithful will say this is the greatest thing ever, but no, it, it, it is far from that. And I, this was a difficult watch. Overall, this show was just, it was so boring. It was, it was just a boring show because it didn't, didn't drive anything for it, didn't have any sort of emotional tie. It just, it just didn't do anything for me within the hour that this show took place. It was just, it was just a dull show. When I was at work and I was talking about it with somebody, because he, he, independent of me, is like, yeah, I didn't like that show. It didn't, it didn't do anything. I was like, yeah, it was just boring. It, 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 not that the matches were bad. It just didn't didn't take anything forward. They did things to illustrate that there's an angle still there, but it didn't go anywhere with it. So, I mean, when you got, what, five or six segments and nothing has advanced, I was like, this is probably not the best representation of, of WoW as a... I don't even know if I can say promotion as a program. I used Bob's Burgers of all programs to illustrate a point. I was like, you know, it's not, it's not easy, but it's not exceptionally difficult to establish stakes and resolve within an hour show. Bob's Burgers did it in 30 minutes. And even if you've never seen the show before, you probably would have gotten it. It would have helped if you've seen the show before, but independent of that, if you had not seen this episode before, you would have gotten it. The episode being the parents, Bob and his wife, they're going out and they're leaving. And Tina's already gone. I think she's in detention this episode. They're going to do their taxes for, for those that's watching or seen this episode. They're going to do their taxes Tina's and uh, the the eldest child is in detention, so that leaves Jean and Louise at home. Louise being the youngest, but also the one that thinks that she knows everything and she's tougher than everybody and stuff like that. And they and they establish that just by the way she talks, the way she addresses people. And when they when the parents are like, well, all right, Jean would technically be in charge because he's your big brother. She's like, oh yeah, right. He's a larger brother, but he's not in charge. I, I'll take care of him. Y'all go ahead and get out of here. 
So they do that, and then they start causing mischief when the parents aren't there. They throw this rotten melon out. They hit the, we'll call him the neighborhood bully. <clears throat> and he makes it to the point, like, I'm, I'm going to get you. Tricks them into coming out of the house, and he chases them down. And they establish, before any of that goes on, the punishment that he is looking to give, something that Gene is terrified of because he sees it on wrestling. <laughs> so if we want to use that as a, as a uh, connecting point. He's going to hold it in like a stick his nose underneath his armpit or something like that and squeeze his stomach until he has to breathe it in. So, And so for them in this universe, it is established as a horrible fate that neither one of them want to suffer. So they're running and they're trying to get away from him. But then he finally corners them. And the same thing, and he is specifically the, the, uh, the, the bully here. He's specifically aimed at Louise. He doesn't like her. And like I said, Louise had been presented as I'm tougher than everybody else in this, that, and the other. But when she's actually cornered with this kid who is going to stuff her face, her nose into his armpit, his smelly armpit, she starts to tear up. And then he's like, are you crying? And seeing this, her brother steps in front of her and is like, No. And he to the bullies like, get out of the way. He's like, no, I don't know why I'm standing here. And I'm really scared right now, but I am not moving. Perfect. It was perfect. 30 minutes. And if you remove the other side stories, because there's an A story and there's a B story and there's a C story. That's probably the, the, the B. If you remove those other stories, it took less than 15 minutes for them to tell you what's going on. Did the persons involved establish why this is taking place? Establish the antagonist's goals, the consequence of his goal, and the resolve of Jean stepping up to be the big brother that she didn't think that he was. She said it in the in the show like he's not a big brother. That she he stepped up to be the big brother that she did not think that he was to take the punishment for his sister when he did not want to do it, and that alone earned her respect. And she's like you know gives giving the brother a hug, and, and then they had to you know resolve at the end. The point of all of that is that within those thirty minutes, less than thirty actually. Let's say probably about 15. They established everything that you needed to know to become emotionally attached to that scenario. If even just for the half hour of the show. Nothing in a while did any of that. Nothing here did any of that. No stakes were established. No, no consequence placed to what was going on. No resolve. It's just match after match after match after match. And empty segments. That's all this was. Hopefully, when they go to the next program, the next episode, it will get better. But this had very, very, very little emotional connection to anything, anyone, or any angle on this show. Stronger, stronger connection to Bob's Burgers. That said, 
that is the end of the full review. And I want to thank you for tuning in to listen to all of that. If you have any comments, questions, or anything that you'd like to uh, state, please feel free to leave that in the comments below. Or you can shoot me a message. You can go to WPNWrestling.com. You can hit the connect button there. You can send me a direct message on whatever platform that you may happen to be. Well, I shouldn't say that the podcast platforms, you would have to send it through the website because I probably won't see those. But if you're on YouTube, you can always connect through that. If you're on uh, Facebook and Instagram, you can connect through those WPN Wrestling. Like I said, if you don't remember those, all you got to do is remember WPNWrestling.com. It is the centerpiece, the focal point, the nexus of everything that goes on. And if you choose to support the show further, Hit that like button on the video. It helps keep this in the algorithm. It helps us be found for people who are actually looking for somebody to talk about WoW along with them or talk about the show that the show itself will never let you acknowledge. But I'll acknowledge it for you. I'll acknowledge the good, the bad, and the ugly. So on that note, oh yeah, and we hit the shop button. If you want to support that, you can buy a t-shirt. No silly stuff, just wrestling. That one is always good for any wrestling event that you may go to. If you don't, if you're not big on the comedy and whatnot, get it. No silly stuff, just wrestling. That stuff isn't what it says. But anyway, <laughs> on that note, folks, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.